Welcome to Conscious Leadership Conversations with host Claudia Ferryman. Over the next hour, you'll hear from the experts on becoming a more influential and impactful leader in your organization. Now, here is Claudia. Welcome to Conscious Leadership Conversations. My name is Claudia Ferryman, and I'll be having a fireside chat with my guest host, Tacey Trump. Tacey's a senior executive producer with Voice America, and I'm really happy to meet with you today, Tacey, to have a great conversation. You can uh, take it take it away. Thank you, Claudia. I'm very happy to, and thank you. This is an honor, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We're very excited, and I will be interviewing the show host of Conscious Leadership Conversation, Claudia Ferryman, to learn about her background, her vision for the show, and a few of the concepts and strategies of conscious leadership. So, Claudia, could you share a bit about your background with us? Yes, I would be happy to. Um, I've done a variety of things in my career, uh, many things, actually. Um, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I designed and built uh, four different businesses starting at age 15, actually, and uh, built a business in university with one of my professors, um, and that was a, a really interesting uh, concept. We were building a technology software <laughs> quite a few years back when um, people were just starting to think about how learning software could uh, help students. Uh, and then I subsequently built two other businesses, um, one in technology, and my latest one is on um, primarily learning and development and organizational development. I've been... Uh, corporate uh, coach, a speaker, author. I've authored four different books on a variety of subjects uh, in business and uh, my most recent one um, on emotional uh, resilience. I've done corporate training for thousands of leaders across uh, North America and a few in Europe as well. Um, Been an educator at the University of Toronto for over 16 years. I've I've taught uh, courses in communications, effective communications, negotiation, influence, leadership. So, so many different roles I've had throughout my career. Uh, Presently, I'm the president of Rainmaker Strategies Group, which uh, has been a learning and development organization for over 20 years. And I have formal education in organizational psychology, adult learning, and dozens and dozens of certifications covering leadership, strategic planning, emotional intelligence, um, mindfulness, <laughs> even mental health fatigue. <laughs> and uh, even at one point, I did a lot of hypnotherapy. So I'm a certified hypnotherapist as well. So a whole variety of things. Quite an extraordinary background, Claudia. Thank Perfect you. for the show. Thank and you. we spoke about how your last name is uniquely suited to the work you do. Can you comment on this? <laughs> yes, yes, the ferryman. <laughs> um, actually, for for many, many years, um, a lot of the work I do is to help people to solve complex, you know, interpersonal problems and issues and leadership challenges in their organizations. So I began to say, I help people to move from a present state to <laughs> um, a desired state. So the current state might not be that positive, 
So my job has been to build that bridge and ferry them across to uh, a, a more positive place at solving the problem, so to speak. I love that. Yeah. It's perfect for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and why did you call your learning and development company Rainmaker Strategies Group? Tell us about that. Oh, that's, um, yeah, that goes way back to one of my early uh, jobs that I ever had inside an organization. Most of my career, I've worked um, as an independent, either consultant, entrepreneur, uh, running my own business. But for a portion of my career, I would take jobs uh, very uh, strategically because I wanted to learn an aspect of building businesses. So one of the jobs I had uh, many years ago, I was um, brought in as the manager of training and development, and uh, they were making like, you know, 10 grand a year. <laughs> it was uh, uh, just really needed some help, some propping up. Um, so I began to be basically more like an intrapreneur. And most of those roles I took within organizations, they would say, you're kind of like an intrapreneur. So I would go in, I'd help them build you know, new services, new teams, and so on. And often that would result in a, in a real spike in the business. So they would always say, you're like a rainmaker, you're like a rainmaker. <laughs> so that word came up then um, when I was working in these different positions. The other reference to the rainmaker, which I've always um, had a connection with, was the tribal reference where the rainmaker would come to a village and they would do the rain dance and that would bring, you know, abundant water and rain to, so they would have, um, you know, really great crops. And so our organization, we help individuals build and achieve their maximum potential. And so Rainmaker Strategies Group helps people to unlock their own personal abundance. So that's why the name Rainmaker stuck for the company. Well, thank you. And how do you define conscious leadership? I know it's a big question. <laughs> we, we only we only have an hour, <laughs> but I will uh, I will give us a little um, a brief overview. Uh, conscious leadership is an approach to leadership which is around the leaders having a heightened awareness of their organization. They lead with a high level of empathy and care and concern for their teams. Um, these leaders realize that their own behavior and emotions can greatly impact everyone around them. Um, so they take, I call it radical responsibility for how they're showing up in the workplace. If they come in a bad mood, typically everyone around them is taking the signal of, okay, they're in a bad mood. So that becomes, I call it emotional contagion and mm -hmm. other people begin to feel like their mood is shifting. So leaders have a, a duty to really look at how they're behaving and how that might be affecting others. Um, conscious leaders also are always cultivating a deeper understanding of themselves, their staff, their teams, um, and the broader context they work in. You know, they recognize the environment that they work in and the community they work in. They are, are very cognizant of not, you know, creating any harm. Can you tell us how you define conscious leadership? Yes, it's a, a very um, tall order, but I'll do my best to give a, a brief um, overview. 
So conscious leadership they work in, they're often very cognizant of the community um, to make sure that wherever they have their businesses, they're not harming the community, they're giving back to the community. And I remember one leader who I worked with uh, many years ago, uh, who I feel is, is a good example of a conscious leader. Um, he was off on a medical leave and an executive director uh, had taken, he needed, you know, about four months to um, get better and return. And during that time, they had an interim leader. And this particular leader was so different um, in terms of their style and approach. So when the returning ED came back, he noticed the staff were very disgruntled. There were, um, the culture had shifted in just such a short time. And he learned that the leader was very um, strict and had a command and control, very inflexible. And command and control is fine for certain situations. But in this social service organization, they were used to a very caring approach. You know, one example sure. is uh, a staff worked overtime and um, wanted to be paid for a few extra hours. And this acting leader said, you didn't get permission beforehand. I'm not paying. And, you know, this started to really uh, erode a very positive environment. So I bet the, the the ED. Yeah, you can imagine. So he asked me to come in and work with him to try to rekindle that um, whole approach that was this caring autonomous. He gave the staff autonomy to make certain decisions on their own. And what we did is we created a program called Heart Centered Leadership which included training on self-awareness, emotional intelligence, resilience, um, how to navigate difficult conversations. And so um, along with a, a road tour, we call it the communication road tour, where he went to visit many of the locations, what we found was the staff uh, started to feel much better about the organization again. And actually they avoided... Um, the union coming in actually because the staff felt that everyone there was getting what they needed based on how this leader um, led. So conscious leaders, they generally care about their people. It's not, as I call, lip surface. They don't say, oh, people are our greatest assets um, and then don't treat them um, kindly. So we realized that um, this form of leadership is all about um, being very, very self-aware, emotionally intelligent, and having a heart-centered approach. What a perfect turnaround. <laughs> I'm glad he called you because now everyone is back together. Exactly. Well, thank you. And what pivotal moments or experiences shaped your understanding of conscious leadership? Wow. There, there are quite a few, quite a few. <laughs> That's a great question, Tacey. Um, I would say that one of the most, I think, drastic <laughs> moments was working with um, a very, very, uh, I would say, gifted in getting things done and getting results. I worked with a, a CEO who hired me as a senior consultant to help navigate a few projects that weren't getting done. And we were, we were working on at the time, six, six projects. There was myself and my team. Um, but it was almost like every week it, it, she would call me all kinds of hours, you know, like 
11 at night or 2 in the morning or oh. me or whatever it took. It was like, we need this, we need this. And then I was connected with some of her internal staff. And over a six-month period, there was this constant turnover. People were quitting, you know, and my contact, oh, I'm leaving. So I went to the CEO and I said, um, I'm not sure what's happening, but people keep quitting. She says, oh, don't worry about them. They can't oh. handle the paste. Oh, I, I don't know. We'll just hire more people. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. Wow. And uh, the more I recognize, the, the board of directors love this, this woman. Also, the shareholders, because the organization was doing well. But I realized it was almost like churning people in and out of the organization. And that, to me, is the opposite, the extreme opposite of conscious leadership. I found out from the staff about how harshly they were being treated. They often said, you know, we, we never get to ask questions, so we are always making mistakes. It's like, do this and out of my office. And so to me, um, that moment really stood out for me. And I said, never, ever will I lead like this, number one. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I saw the effects on employees when you have a leader who isn't consciously aware of how their behavior is affecting everyone. Um, so I had a heart-to-heart -heart with this CEO she was well-meaning, um, but just razor sharp, very bright, and was just driving for results. Um, so I said, but staff are starting to it become hard for them to hire because the word was getting out. So the CEO um, was asked by their board to, to get some, uh, some training. Uh, oh, good. Did you, train, did you end up training her? Yeah, I did some Oh, look at that. Of course. Yeah. So um, that to me was very pivotal because it was a, a project that lasted over a year. And I could see the impact, the negative impact of two types of different behaviors on staff. So that was a really big moment for me. And I bet the morale was so much better after that. It was indeed. Excellent. And then uh, regarding the show Vision, uh, can you tell us why you decided to do a radio show on conscious leadership? <laughs> I might know some answers, but for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've, we've had some chats about this. Um, yes. I feel that we're in an unprecedented time of social unrest, um, economic strife, climate change. I mean, the headlines aren't very positive. <laughs> Not that they're usually, but they're, they're even more so um, alarming, uh, the way things are going on in the world. Uh, I felt that, you know, the more conscious leadership we have in the world, the more we can start to mentor a younger um, audience, younger generation around leading very differently. Because if we lead differently, we teach um, each you know, layer in the organization that they matter, um, that we care about their well-being. You know, we know mental health um, studies in the last three years have been soaring around how much sick leaves, how much uh, mental health issues are in organizations. They say it costs $20 billion a year in Canada um, in terms of people on sick leaves and mental health leaves. So there's a huge issue 
I know it's, it's the same in the U.S. Uh, I, I live in Canada. You live in the U.S. I'm sure you've heard the headlines, right? Oh, yes. So um, I also had a personal experience with learning some of what's happening. I've been working with um, hundreds of organizations and people over the last three years during the pandemic. And it's not just as a result of the pandemic. I think the pandemic helped to um, show the cracks a, a lot bigger and things that have not been dealt with uh, from our leadership perspective has become, you know, one of those areas where it's starting to really impact organizations uh, in working in a provincial wide initiative in 2022, I was able to talk to leaders across Ontario um, for a particular community-based um, sector. And the findings was that um, leadership where people gave extra care and concern to their staff during the pandemic actually had greater retention. They had less sick leaves. So we know that conscious leadership is one of the answers to many of the challenges organizations are facing today. What a difference. Absolutely. And you mentioned your seven principles of conscious leadership in one of our conversations. Could you share these with the listeners? Because I think they're extremely powerful. Wonderful. Yes. Um, so the first one uh, I call enhancing emotional intelligence and self-awareness. Every leader who is on their journey to conscious leadership, they need to start with self-awareness. The more, they, the more they understand themselves um, and their, their behaviors and their emotions and how it impacts others, that is going to be very important in terms of navigating and ensuring their behaviors won't impact others negatively. Um, cultivating resilience. I think we all know resilience has become kind of like the, the number one competency for the next <laughs> decade. Um, mm -hmm. And so understanding how to build resilience in themselves, how to mentor others to build resilience uh, in individuals and their organization is very important. Uh, leading with empathy and compassion. And again, as I said earlier, it's not lip service, it's real, uh, being of real service to their staff and their teams and recognizing that, you know, it's a whole human that comes to work, you know, we used to say, leave your emotions at home. <laughs> I don't know who can do that. but Leave uh, them at the door or something. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yes. So um, I, think, I think we're recognizing now that, you know, we, the whole person comes to work and we need to nurture that whole person. Um, practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is a tool that helps us to uh, navigate a difficult situation because we know how to remain and become calm. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, utilizing our intuition and reason. There's a balance between using our gut and uh, using um, facts and figures. We find that balanced decision-making like that really produces better decisions. Um, encouraging transparent communication. I think that goes without uh, needing a description. And finally, um, the seventh principle is social and organizational accountability. And I'll talk a little bit about some of these as we go along today. Excellent. And what impact on leadership do you anticipate from the show? Uh, I'm hoping that as we 
go through 13 episodes are what we're going to do, which is kind of fun. I, we, we call it the Baker's Dozen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in these 13 shows, my hope is that through interviews with a variety of leaders um, from different levels, uh, I've invited uh, CEOs, executive level, um, executive directors. I've invited some um, directors of operations, um, some HR directors, uh, people, some managers, so each of these layers have impact on um, staff and employees. So through conversations and talking about their own personal journeys of becoming conscious leaders, these are people I've worked with quite closely, um, in some cases for many, many years. And I've gotten to know them. They've taken a lot of the programs that I offer in developing conscious leadership, and they have been known to have a very positive impact on their staff and their organizations. So their journey, um, I think, is very relevant. Uh, we can learn about the pathways and create roadmaps towards conscious leadership. And they will be sharing some of the lessons learned. They'll be sharing some of their practical um, strategies and resources that they used. My plan is also to look at the you know, what are some of the books they've read? Uh, often I find that uh, conscious leaders are avid readers. Oh, hey, that rhymes. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, what are their materials? What's the, what was a journey like? And through that, we can start to produce some roadmaps, some pathways, which other leaders, whether they're an emerging leader, um, a seasoned leader, such as the CEO I spoke about, she was a very seasoned leader, but sometimes even really seasoned top leaders who are high performers may or may not be leading as a conscious leader, as, as I expressed with the CEO who had the great turnaround. So mm-hmm. the show should help us to see a variety of different paths because I don't believe there's a one way to get there. I believe there the seven principles can help. We can use that as a foundation. We can look at, um, you know, some of the typical tools that people use, but people get there differently, right? Um, sure. Many of the leaders I've worked with have had an aha moment, and they've come and uh, called out to me and said, hey, Claudia, I'm wondering why I'm feeling this way about my team, or why is this thing affecting me this much? And so there's a there's a moment where, they kind of recognize something isn't working and they want a different approach. Those are the times that um, I think helping others to recognize when they are going through that kind of a moment is going to be important. Um, So the show should help us with some blueprints some pathways and some tools and, and strategies as well. Well, thank you, Claudia. And It looks like we are going to a break soon, so uh, just wondered if you had any other thoughts. Yes. Um, What I was thinking, too, is when I was talking about the seven principles to conscious leadership, I feel that, um, you know, people say, "Do do I do them in sequence, right? You know, should I do the emotional intelligence training before I do the resilience training, or should I... um, 
you know, start to look at uh, my level of empathy in the organization or should I learn mindfulness? Uh, I, I don't think there's um, any, you know, one way to go about it. I do believe, however, that building self-awareness is probably one of the good starting points. And as we look at some of the strategies and concepts after the break, one of the things I'll talk about is, you know, what are some of the tools that align with each of the seven principles? And we'll see that self-awareness is often a good starting point, um, which is going to involve self-reflection, you know, some journaling and so on. But after that step, I think in any sequence that will work for um, the individual, you will go at it in your own way. You can choose to maybe start just taking some mindful classes and doing a a small practice. Some people say, well, I really want to look at how to get better self-regulation, which is how to manage my emotions. So people can choose wherever they want to start. And I find by not forcing, um, you know, perfect path here's the exact way to do it then we have different people at different stages in their life they can approach their journey to conscious leadership um, in a way that works for them and that's one of the things that we we try to do at Raymaker Strategies is to help people find that pathway that will work for them like a comfort level yes excellent and if our listeners have any questions for you, Claudia, could you let us know the best way for them to reach you? Yes. Um, uh, at my uh, email, at cferryman, that's cferryman, <laughs> at outlook.com. And uh, they could email me directly, and I would um, just review the questions and send them back uh, some, some responses. I also run um, programs and workshops periodically and webinars. And they can find that out on the website at rainmakerstrategies.org, rainmakerstrategies.org as well. Perfect. And then uh, I've enjoyed hearing about your background and more about how you started the show. And we're excited to come back and hear about some tools that you have. Wonderful. So people can apply these to their lives. And uh, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be right back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. 
How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman. Have a question for Claudia or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. Now back to the show. Welcome back and thank you so much for listening wherever you might be in the world. We are here with Claudia Ferryman and we've been discussing everything that she's done up to the point of the show and the powerful uh, topic of conscious leadership and how listeners can benefit from that. So we are going to continue. And as to concepts and tools and strategies for the listeners, I know, Claudia, you released a book about emotional resilience in 2019, just before the COVID-19 lockdowns. Uh, In that, you discussed emotional intelligence, which is an essential part of conscious leadership. Can you tell us how emotional intelligence is related to conscious leadership, please? Yes, yes. Uh, So, um, in my book, I talk about the five factors of conscious leadership. And um, within that, there's emotional intelligence is highly, highly important. Um, To build your emotional intelligence, there are quite a few different models. Uh, One of the models I use um, has three factors related to the individual and two factors related to others. So in total, there are five factors of emotional intelligence. They are um, self-awareness, self-regulation. There's also motivation. I'm going to come back to each and define them. Those are the three related to ourselves, self-awareness, self-regulation, and motivation. And there are two that are related to other people around us. Those are social awareness and social regulation. So what happens um, when someone is developing their emotional intelligence what we found um, through research is that if they enhance any of the five factors, they will actually increase their, what we call EQ, emotional quotient. Um, you know, we have IQ, which measures mm-hmm. intelligence. We now have EQ. Um, I believe you need a balance between using your IQ and your EQ. What we have seen through studies is that Individuals with high EQ, emotional intelligence, they tend to uh, get promoted more. They also tend to make more money, (laughs) generally. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the two things go hand in hand. Um, There's a a particular uh, author that talks about, you know, the book is called Emotional 2.0. Author name escapes me right now, but he says that uh, people with high EQ tend to make around $29,000 more than their um, counterparts who don't have high EQ. And my belief, of course, is because they've 
enriched themselves on any one of these five factors. So let's first talk about self-awareness. I've mentioned this uh, a few times so far, and I do recognize that that's a very important place for anyone on a journey to enhance in their conscious leadership. That's the best place to start. With self-awareness, it's all about understanding yourself, understanding your behaviors, your emotions, your thought patterns. Um, I always talk about thought patterns. And um, really understanding the impact of those on other people. Ultimately, emotional intelligence is your ability to use your emotions and the emotions of others in a positive, constructive way um, where you're not creating a negative impact on those around you. There's a couple of important tools that um, we promote for emotional intelligence here at Rainmaker. Uh, the number one is understanding that when you have an experience, you're in it, right? And your body's almost recording that experience. We're recording memories. We're recording, you know, maybe something that smell at the moment. So there's lots of things going on in, in terms of recording the memory. When you're out of the experience, that means after you've had that experience, you now have an opportunity to kind of learn in a more conscious way what that experience meant for you. And the best way to do that is through self-reflection. So reflecting on the experience is where the lessons learned are really um, brought to the forefront. And the best way through towards getting there is journaling. People use journaling, and I know the cliche, oh my gosh, now I have to keep a diary, Claudia. (laughs) Um, Journaling is very important because the part of the brain that is doing the ruminating, thinking about it, is different than the part of the brain that actually um, writes it down. So you're using two different circuitry. When you write it down, you have an opportunity to witness your thoughts. I, I, I call it witnessing your thoughts on paper. And you process those very differently than when you're ruminating in your head. So self-reflection through asking some prompt, prompted questions such as, you know, why did I behave that way? I think people get stuck a lot on the why, and often we don't have an answer. <laughs> so you can start to, you know, spin your wheels worrying about why. Um, sometimes knowing why is important. But what I find is very, very important is also, if the behavior is something you don't want to have, you need to now get into what I call the how. How can I change this behavior? What else could I have done? How else could I have responded to my colleague? You know, I have a tendency to raise my voice when I get agitated. Well, how can I change that behavior? So the self-reflection is almost like you coaching yourself, right? Makes sense. Self-regulation, this is one which is the number one thing that people ask me about. You know, self-regulation is how do I manage my emotions? How do I make sure I don't have that outburst or raise my voice or roll my eyes? Because there's nonverbal behavior as well. Oh, sure. Um, And so self-regulation is, for many people, the place they want to focus because they really want to manage their, their behaviors and their emotions. Um, so I have a couple of tools that I recommend there. 
um, mindfulness practices, which I'll expand on later. Um, but also I have in the book, I write about uh, something I call the emotional reset recipe. And uh, I'll expand on that um, a little further on. But using tools that help us to calm our nervous system. You know, some of the standard ones, with it, which is deep breathing and so on. I'll go over a few tools um, in a little bit. Motivation is the third um, factor of emotional intelligence. When we are, you know, demotivated, per se, we are not functioning, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so those who have high emotional intelligence tend to be very self-motivated. And one of the best tools for motivation is to set goals. Goal setting is one of the most powerful tools. Social awareness um, is the fourth factor. And the best tool here is active listening, um, trying to step into the shoes of the other person, uh, try to be empathetic, because that way you can get to read I call it reading the room. How are people behaving? How are they acting? And you get to take that emotional temperature um, of the room. That's a, a really, really important uh, skill. And the final one, social um, regulation. This is about how can I navigate difficult conversations? How can I navigate through conflict? How skilled are you at doing those things? Um, are you a skilled at de-escalating a situation? So those would be um, tools for the social regulation. Thank you. And do you mention in your book that, which I love this, everyone should have their own personal emotional reset recipe to manage their emotions. Can you define that for us? Yes. Um, so emotional reset recipe is really uh, a series of steps um, that you go through in order to de-escalate um, your emotional agitation, let's say. And I, I often uh, educate individuals on how the mind, how the brain, how your emotions work, um, because they're natural things that happen when we feel threatened. And I call them modern day dangers, right? So <laughs> we're not being chased by tigers, <laughs> but we are um, having emotional or psychological cognitive uh, stressors that might cause us to react. And um, this is referred to um, as emotional hijack, okay? And uh, sometimes called the amygdala hijack or, you know, some word that's related to not being totally in control, right? Mm -hmm. So um, emotional hijack occurs when there's a part of the brain called the amygdala which is an almond-shaped part of the brain. It's in the limbic system in the middle of the brain, so it's kind of across here. Um, and it plays a role in how we process our emotions and our emotional reactions. So when we feel threatened, um, uh, the amygdala is fired up. Uh, often, if there's fear, anxiety, or aggression, um, the amygdala is going to create what we call the fight-flight-freeze response. Um, and these... Uh, are meant to help us to survive, right? Mm -hmm. The challenge is that sometimes people have what we call an overactive amygdala. And that's because uh, it could be based on uh, past trauma. It could be PTSD. It could be a number of um, in, uh, mental health issues that causes the individual to 
be hypervigilant. So they're constantly looking around trying to figure out, is it safe? Is it safe where I am? Um, and they're not doing that consciously. It's, it's sort of a subconscious surveillance. We all have it. We're mm-hmm. always doing it. But some individuals have what we call a maladaptive amygdala, which means they're constantly being fired up. So with the emotional reset recipe, we want to be able to have a series of steps that we can carry out consciously. And the reason why I call it a recipe is I believe there's an order to it. And I'll explain that in a second. But if we okay. could evoke this, this reset recipe at the right time, we can allow our nervous system to calm and come back to um, a calmer state, a centered state. So what's included in the recipe? I think, first of all, we have to start with the body, right? Because when the amygdala fires up, our entire body is going um, under the survival response. We have hormones being released, um, muscles are tensing, our our breath changes, a lot of stuff is happening during the fight-flight-freeze process. So what I recommend is we need to do something with your body first. Many people in my workshops will say, Claudia, I will walk away and leave the room. I'm like, hooray, that's a good step. (laughs) You know, sometimes walking away is one of the best ways to deal with it. Um, Mm -hmm. but some form of movement, stretching, uh, there was a psychologist called Amy Cuddy who released, um, a study, uh, a while back and had a really great TED talk, talked about what she calls the power pose. And the power pose means, you know, you hold your body kind of like Superman or Wonder Woman where you're opening up, um, and, and spreading out and taking space in the world. Uh, the, the brain knows that when we're in rest and digest mode, we take up space. We're not trying to hide and we're not trying to freeze. So we stretch our arms up like the victory pose. Uh, Hussein Bolt's victory pose is a great power pose. So using some form of movement or power pose will start to tell the amygdala that it's okay. I'm fine. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And it starts to dampen down. The frontal lobe, which is um, the prefrontal cortex, is where we have the rational thinking. And during Mm -hmm. emotional hijack, that part of the brain, um, you know, right at your forehead, behind your forehead, that part of the brain um, gets less oxygen. So you're not thinking straight, right? You're not thinking rationally. Well, when you start to relax the body, the brain starts to reoxygenate. So breath work would be step two in your recipe doing some kind of deep breathing to, again, calm your nervous system, um, hyper-oxygenate the the brain, that's going to really help. And in mindfulness, we call this the belly breath because you're breathing deep down to your belly button, right? You're inhaling deeply, exhaling. Um, And the Navy SEALs use a breathing technique called the box breathing. And box breathing is pretty powerful because it, it, causes you to really focus on doing the breath work. Um, box breathing is, works in counts of four. You breathe four breaths in. You hold for a count of four. You have exhale for four counts. And then you hold again for four. So this is called box breathing. And I figure if the Navy SEALs use it, 
hey, <laughs> it must be working. The third step I, is some form of counting. Um, I do counting backwards in, uh, in threes, 100. Which is a good idea. <laughs> I like that you do it in threes. Yes, make it complex because then that forces the rational brain, the rational part of your brain to be at the forefront. And it's getting more oxygen the more you're focusing on the, the, the sort of rational, logical processes. So that form of breathing really reoxygenates the um, frontal lobe. Then if you're really agitated, I usually say the fourth step might be to imagine your most positive, happy place, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Tacey, you and I were talking about the beach earlier. The beach, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> bring yourself to that positive space. Um, we'll talk more about visualization and why it works so powerfully uh, in one of the shows. And then once all of these four steps happen, your body starts to calm. Your mind is back on track. Your emotions are calm. Now you can think rationally. Maybe you need to reflect on what happened, set a boundary with someone. Um, and I usually end off with a little bit of uh, a mindful exercise called uh, Take Five. I'll talk about a little bit more as we go on. Excellent. I like the system to make it easy for everyone. And what is the name of the book again? And where can we get it? Where can the listeners get it? Yes. So, um, my book is called Emotional Resilience by Claudia Ferryman, and you can purchase that on Amazon. Excellent. Thank you. And you mentioned resilience is an important characteristic of conscious leadership. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yes. Um, I really love a quote that I heard from um, uh, Nelson Mandela, who's uh, past. He was the past president of South Africa. He also spent uh, quite a long time in jail and um, is, in my mind, an uh, exemplary leader in terms of showing resilience. And the quote he said was, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Absolutely love that. Beautiful. And uh, so conscious leaders embrace this idea that setbacks are opportunities for growth um, to foster their resilience and their adapt adaptability. Um, they recognize that it's about growth. Often adversity helps us to learn new skills that we didn't think we had. Um, we surprise ourselves when we work through adversity and we are also building new skills. I call it um, bouncing back. Resilience is about <clears throat> bouncing back, you know. Um, but I also talk about it as, as moving forward as well or bouncing forward because often when you have, you know, walked through uh, adversity, you usually, you know, end up having a new insight, a new perspective, a new skill that you can now use. And so there's a lot of learning uh, when we um, are resilient, we bounce back and we have new skills and um, and bounce capacity. forward. Capacity. In the book, I break resilience down into sort of uh, some key factors. Number one, we have to have mental fortitude. And that's about how we use our cognitive functions. 
uh, to navigate through difficult situations? Can we make good decisions? Are we good problem solvers? Uh, so mental fortitude is an important factor. Emotional agility is the term I use, which includes emotional intelligence. But I go a little deeper in talking about the distinctions between feelings in the body and emotions, which to me are the label for the feeling, right? And uh, I'll expand on this as we go through um, the different shows. But feelings are our visceral sensation in the body. It's, it's about what we feel, literally. Um, and often, those feelings can pass in just 90 seconds if we would allow it, if we would breathe through it. And rather than, you know, you feel something in your stomach and go, oh, my God, I'm anxious. And now you're your brain is ruminating about being anxious. And what mm -hmm. happens is that suppresses the feeling from passing through the body. Uh, it's just energy moving through tissue. But we, we lose that and we get, we get these suppressed residual energy, which then might cause disease in the body. So emotional agility is your ability to um, allow feelings to pass without having to ruminate or express on them, right? I talk about body dynamics which is all about recognizing that resilience involves the physical body. We have to take care of our physical body. We need to understand how it works so that we can um, uh, navigate some of the, the challenges that we, when we're feeling things. Um, and then finally, I have personal mastery, which is how are we, you know, planning, building, and developing ourselves as human beings to elevate our consciousness so that we um, can perform better and we are just overall better people. And have the strength to help others. It makes perfect sense. Yes. And we hear a lot about mindfulness as a widespread practice in many organizations. Can you describe why this is important for conscious leaders? Yes. So for me, mindfulness is really, um, it's both philosophy and a tool. <laughs> uh, the concept of mindfulness ha has been, um, you know, I think becoming more and more widespread and very large organizations such as Facebook, Google, um, Amazon have all deployed mindfulness training for their employees. And, and they're doing it with thousands and thousands of employees. Um, part of the, re the reason, I believe, is because these leaders recognize that people who use mindfulness uh, tend to be less stress-reactive. They are also more creative and innovative. And, of course, these companies need creative and innovative people. I think we all need to be creative and innovative. However, um, they have jumped on the, the bandwagon, so to speak, of instituting mindfulness training because they're seeing the benefits um, whole, um, across their organizations. Uh, and, and so what does mindfulness really mean? It's, it's really about being centered in this present moment without mind-wandering, <laughs> is the way I call it. Um, and you're able to dampen down the rumination that naturally occurs in the human mind. We cannot sit for a second without the mind wandering off to, to think about something else. Um, I was reading about a study in the Harvard Business Review, and um, there were some scientists, uh, 
uh, Killingsworth and, and Gilbert. And I remember reading this quote. They said, a human mind is a wondering mind, and a wondering mind is an unhappy mind. And I, I when I read that quote, I thought, what the heck do they mean by that? <laughs> and um, and I'm not talking about daydreaming because I I kind of encourage daydreaming <laughs> mm. uh, because that can really lead to some creative um, um, solutions. But this is the kind of mind wandering where it's just a whole lot of random stuff going on in your mind. You can't focus. Um, they're also producing anxiety because the thoughts themselves are not positive. So uh, because we have a negativity bias as human beings, we we tend to mm. think about more negatives than positive. It's a survival thing. And so when the mind is wondering, they, this study said our minds are wondering 47% of the time. Wow. <laughs> so <It's> amazing. <laughs> can you imagine? How did we get anything done? But <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. There's a book called Deep Work. Um, where the, the author talks a lot about the fact that um, people can't focus anymore because of watching clickbait and, you know, it's a, everything is two seconds or less. Um, so our minds are not being used as the tools they're meant to be. Mindfulness is also a great tool for self-regulation and, of course, mindful listening. And uh, a simple tool is called Take Five, where you breathe in and breathe out and you count from one to five, you actually physically use your hand to count down the five breaths, mm -hmm. count down, counting on the exhale. Um, and if you do two or three of those, like every few hours, you're going to decompress some of the stress that you're holding. That sounds like a very easy tip. Thank you. Yes. We have quite a few tools here. Yes. And we've learned so much about conscious leadership today. Can you summarize a few of the tools discussed for our listeners in case they'd like to start using some of the tools and strategies themselves? Yes. So um, a quick roundup, uh, just watching our time here. Um, we talked about the seven principles of conscious leadership. Remember I said you can start any within the seven principles, but I usually recommend self-awareness to start with. Um, using self-reflection and journaling um, as a way to build your self-awareness. Emotional reset recipe, we talked about, which would manage your emotional hijack. And it's a good, really good tool for self-regulation. We talked about the power pose, you know, get up in the morning and stand up like Superman <laughs> or Wonder Woman. Um, using movement and stretch and breath work. We talked about the belly breath, which is uh, really deep breathing. And, of course, the box breathing and the take five. Excellent. And listeners can write to seafairyman at outlook.com yes. or go to rainmakerstrategies.org to find out more about these. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We love having you uh, as part of our fireside chat, our global fireside chat, if you don't mind. And really a pleasure to have a conversation with you Claudia today and next week uh, I think we're going to have a wonderful lively discussion on cultivating resilience with a highly experienced leader yes it's going to be amazing um, we're going to have uh, that's actually going to be on February 27th we're going to be running um, a conversation with uh, a, a director of operations and uh, 
we're going to be talking all about building resilience and her journey. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. Very exciting. And thank you for letting us be a part of the development of the show. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Conscious Leadership Conversations with Claudia Ferryman. We hope you have a wonderful week and join us next week 